0: Take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter four, verses ten through fourteen. You are very familiar with Philippians four thirteen, whether you know the address of it or not. You've heard it, you've seen it, uh, you've, you've you've seen it put on the uh, little eye stickers, the eye black of football players and baseball players, because. Uh, apparently this verse makes you tackle better, throw footballs better, or hit baseballs better. To that end, I had considered briefly naming, uh, titling this sermon, I Can Do All Things Through a Verse Taken Out of Context, because that verse ain't got nothing to do with football, baseball, you working out, uh, getting, having the energy to get up and go do your exercises, or anything. It has to do with true... Contentment, which is the title of the message this morning. True contentment. Now remember that just in, in a few previous verses, Paul has told the Philippians to follow what you have learned from me. You know, just just up, uh, verse 9, Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me. He tells them that. A uh, little, little further up in uh, chapter... 3, verse, verse, uh, let's see, 17, join in imitating me, brothers and sisters. Paul has made that clear. So as we read back Philippians 1 through 3 and a half, 1 through 4, we're supposed to imitate all that. But as we move forward, we keep in mind that Paul is saying these things, uh, whether it's about himself or about them, for them to imitate Continue doing these things if you're already doing them. Imitate me if you're not doing them. And then by extension to the church today, to us, imitate Paul. And in, in, this, uh, in this section of Scripture we're looking at, in this passage, verses 10 through 14, Paul is both commending and recommending. He is congratulating and he is teaching. Y'all doing a good job. Now let's keep going. Add this to what you're already doing and if the christian life feels like it's always add this to whatever what you're already doing you're right that is sanctification that is the uh the growth in the faith that we are supposed to experience that's discipleship uh, you you when you started your job you may have gone to school to learn it or maybe you just had ojt doesn't matter when you started they, they started you with the basics. They gave you the simplest form of what you were do, you're supposed to be doing, and then they started adding layers to it. And layers, and layers, and layers. And, and if you were in some sort of field that uh, used cutting-edge technology, well, cutting-edge technology is always changing, so you were still adding layers to it. Uh, folks that, that worked for the Cable company like the TV cable company Some things changed over the years with that right the telephone company if you worked there long enough my last church There was a, a gentleman who had worked for the phone company in central texas And he was the guy who installed lyndon johnson's table phone in johnson city or wherever his Western White House was he had phones in the house but he wanted one at his big table that he would come and get everybody sitting at the, the, the cabinet members would come and sit he wanted one right there in the table leg Troy installed that phone what was that late 60's right that uh, mid 60's that Johnson was president he had seen some changes in the phone system since then we're always adding To what we know. We're always building on that in the faith. And that's what Paul is doing here. You've done great. This is right. Now, let me tell you how you can add to your faith and build on what you know. He might have said it this way. You're right in what you did. I would have done it that way too. Now, approach life this way. Paul's using this opportunity to teach them in verses uh, uh, verses 10 through 14 about what it is to have true contentment. Read that passage of Scripture with me. Uh, The screen's working today. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because once again you renewed your care for me. You were in fact concerned about me but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself I know both how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through Him who strengthens me. Still, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. Paul is going to commend them thank them for what they have done for them tell them and and then tell them why and, and teach them in the process why what they did was wonderful and he is thankful for it but if they hadn't hadn't been able to or whatever he would have been just as content just as happy just as taken care of without it we're going to divide this passage into two big sections First we're going to look at giving to the need and then we're going to look at perseverance through the need. Giving to the need, we see in verses 10 through four, uh, 10 and 14. Rather, Paul says, "I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because you once again because once again you renewed your care for me, you were in fact concerned about me but lacked the opportunity to show it." Verse 14, "Still, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship." I think we can see uh, four, uh, rather three lessons from giving to the need here. Three lessons for us. The first lesson that we see, the first takeaway, is that it is a joy to give. Paul says, "I rejoiced." Remember this. This whole uh, all of script. Uh, back up. Philippians is about the joy of partnership that's the title of the series throughout Philippians joy 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 he rejoiced y'all rejoice rejoice in the Lord always again I say rejoice I rejoice and then I had joy at my rejoicing I mean joy is the the theme of this and and now he is saying I rejoiced do do the same thing I rejoiced because you partnered there is joy in in the partnership of sharing the gospel in the partnership of ministry Paul rejoiced greatly in the Lord because they had partnered because they as he said cared for me they had renewed their care their care for him he says this is something that you did in the past and now you are doing again this, this care-for-me phrase that he uses it, as it's translated, it's actually a, a reuse of the word, the same mindset. When he says back in chapter 2 to have uh, the same mind as Christ, have the same attitude, same mindset, he tells them a little later, in, uh, tells Euodia and Syntychea, to have the same mind and what he is saying now is I rejoice that you had the same mind as me to see the gospel shared to see ministry opportunities grow to see the work of the gospel go out I rejoiced that you cared for me that you had the same mindset as me I rejoiced Paul says that that you looked You saw the need, and you gave to it. You were a part of it. From Macedonia all the way to Rome, from Greece to Italy, this church saw what was going on, saw the need, and they gave to it. I told you we were traveling the last uh, couple of days for a funeral. Uh, A friend of Etta's from college... A couple of years older than me was in a, a, a car accident last Friday night I think I mentioned this to you last Sunday was in a car accident last Friday night with three of his, his, o- his oldest three children, two, two daughters and a son. And the other three, two of them, Jamie Wright, were unhurt, basically. one, the, the other daughter, one daughter dislocated her sh- sh- shoulder. Dad was killed, 48 years old. Uh, gone and and then the pastor of a church in northeast Texas. Um, so it was it, it hits home for us because it's 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 too too real. The age is too close. The the situation in life is too close. The the friendship obviously is close. I joke that I married into Washita the school. Uh, I didn't go there. Etta did she has all these friends all of her friends from college are actually now my friends because it's just I'm I'm a I think I called myself a a graduate in law is is, is how I relate to the school there now. It, it 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 hurts to watch it. But Mark had such an influence and effect on his church and community that they could not have his funeral at the church. They had it at the high school gym. Because that was the only place in this little bitty community, probably a couple of hundred people in this, it's not even a town, it's just a community. Uh, And he had such an effect that, that they had to have it in this gym. Now, I'm telling you all of this to tell you that that church is taking care of Caroline and the family. And people from all over. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, a GoFundMe was started for them. I think I remember seeing that link flow through on Facebook. Because people are seeing the need. Their church, very obviously, right there in front of them, raw and real, see the need. And they are taking care of them. The people from all over the country are doing that as well. That's the kind of thing that Paul is talking about. And in this, the midst of this horrible situation... There is joy in giving to that in taking care of this family. Paul says it's a joy to give. It's a joy to see you give. He's going to explain all that in a minute. But it is a joy to give when you see the need. Paul talks about also their desire to give. That we should have a desire to give. Paul uses the word renewed. I rejoice in the Lord greatly because you once again... Because once again, you renewed. This word renewed, renewal, it's blossom again. It's, it's like a dormant flower that came up. It's your, uh, your perennials that, you know, they die off in the winter. But the next morning, I mean the next spring, here they come. One of my favorites is daffodils. Uh, I grew up with daffodils in our yard. They were all over central Mississippi wild. And, and it doesn't matter what you do to them. As long as when you see them coming up in the spring, you leave them alone, you're going to have beautiful daffodils along your fence or wherever they are. That's what this is for Paul. This was a flower that had lain dormant for however long, for whatever reason. We don't know why. They hadn't done it, but they hadn't. And suddenly it grows up again. But the desire, this idea of renewal... The, the seed was there, the desire was there, but at the time, the ability wasn't. And it says, you renewed your care for me. And he goes on, because this first sentence, if we just kind of stood back and, and, and read it as cynics, we would read that sentence and say, so Paul is saying, I rejoiced because you finally gave to me again. Little head wag. And that's how they would take it if they're not careful. And Paul knows that. That's why he says, It's not, you were in fact concerned about me, but you lacked the opportunity. You were in fact concerned. Your care ran deep until it collided with action. You were concerned. Now the truth is, some people's concern only manifests in words of pity Or grumbling. There are always, and rightfully so, people who are concerned about our church's finances. But sadly, that never translates into giving to the need. It just translates into grumbling about the lack of finances. And Paul says, you know, your concern ran deep until it collided with action. And then you did something about it. I've not found, found grumbling gain you any cash. Uh, grumbling doesn't grow a bank account. Putting money in grows a bank account. And he says, you know, I understand. Uh, it, it, that's the idea here. He says, you were concerned. Your, your care did run deep until it collided with action. But prior to this, you lacked the opportunity to show it. You, you just didn't have the chance. And we don't know why. Paul moved around a lot. Maybe he had been in different places, and they, they couldn't, you know, the mail system wasn't what it is now. He didn't have a forwarding address. So, you know, they, they, couldn't, they couldn't aim it at a spot and have him move. It would just, just kind of go and stop. They didn't want it chasing him, especially when we're talking about money. So for whatever reason, though, they lacked the opportunity. So the church in Philippi didn't, when they couldn't, But they did when they could. They didn't just complain. They didn't just say, oh, poor Paul. sure would be nice if he had something to live on. Instead, they helped when they could. Remember, he's in prison here and in, particularly, in particular Roman prisons, but this lasted up until the 1600s, 1700s. If you were in prison, it was not the jailer's responsibility or the city's responsibility or the county's responsibility to feed you and take care of you. It was your family's responsibility. If they didn't feed you, you didn't eat. If they didn't clothe you, you were naked. If they didn't cut your hair, you got all scraggly. It was, they took, the, the family took care of you. So Paul depended While he was in prison. He depended on these people to help him. And the church in Philippi did. And then finally Paul makes it clear in these two verses. Specifically verse 14. You did well by partnering with me in my hardship. Makes it clear to us, to them. It is correct to give. It's a joy to give. We should have a desire to give, and it is correct to give. It is actually a discipline, a spiritual discipline. We grow in Christ when we give to God's ministries. It is right to give to ministry. The Old Testament and the New Testament point to giving to your church or the temple at the time or the synagogue. Giving to your church first your tithes, and then anything else you give is uh, your offerings, but those things come in second. The, the, the Bible talks about first fruits, the, the first part off the top. And giving is just one of many, but it is one of the very important ways that you partner in ministry. A lot of people can't do, let's just take disaster relief as an example. Can't go and cut down trees and mud out houses and that sort of thing but they do have the financial wherewithal to buy a chainsaw or fund some of the work or whatever it may be in that situation. And what we find and what Paul knows because of his rejoicing, because of his encouragement, we see that there is actually true contentment when we give. When we give to God. Uh, Talking to a, a church member here some couple of years ago he would say yeah there have been things that in the church i would not have chosen to spend the money on but he said that was no longer my money i gave the money to the church and trusted god to take care of everything else so i don't care anymore I don't care what happens. I don't have to care. The burden is off of me. What he's talking about is contentment, contentment in giving to the Lord. When you give it to God, you no longer have to worry about it. And yes, when you give to the church, you are giving to God. Y'all, this church has more fail safes and protections in our financial policy than I have ever seen in any church. We can trust that God is in control. As a matter of fact, it is a step of faith to trust in God's sovereignty, that He is in charge of all things. And, and, and to actually and we should not be careless. we should not be uh, uh, bad stewards. But, but God's bigger than our worries god's bigger than our concerns god's even bigger than our financial policies but we have them there's contentment in stepping out on faith and trusting in god's sovereignty those who would grumble about finances in a church are not content i mean just by the very nature those who would not give because they don't like the way the church is spending the money they are not content they are not trusting the lord no i'm not god no your stewardship committee isn't god no the financial policy is not god but god is bigger than all of those things the bible's clear that your sins will find you out look at any church that has had financial issues and and uh uh uh, malfeasance and that sort of thing it gets found out it hurts but it gets found out what we see with the philippians is that they were not content until they could support the ministry of god again financially they were not content until they could give to Paul. That's the, the idea. You, you renewed your care for me. You were concerned, but lacked the opportunity. We get an image here of the church looking for ways they could give and not being able to for whatever reason. But when they finally could... ah, oh. I've had that situation in my own life. There have been times in life where uh, I felt strictly because I had to, I had to escrow my tithe. And by escrow, I mean there wasn't money in the account. I mean, I keep a tally, and as soon as I get all the money, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give that. Um, but I'm, I'm keeping track of what I owe God. Anybody else ever done that? Maybe I'm the only one. Uh, y'all are all much more spiritual than me. Uh, but I'm the only one with sometimes with not, with, with not enough faith with my cash to go ahead and give it to him at first. Now, God is right there. I know I'm going to do it. I've done it. And the day I get to write that check, <sighs> contentment again. Because I've been able to, and, and, and what's, what's, what I'm missing though when I do that is the faith. Well, I, I'm excited I get to step out on faith, because I didn't. I stepped out on certainty, and that's not as much fun. But I know the feeling of being able to finally give what I'm supposed to. The Philippians knew that too. And it wasn't. Paul is making clear, I, I have not asked for this. I don't expect this of you, Paul says. He says that in other places. I, I don't want to be helped by you. Because I want to be free from any obligation to you because of your money. But you are right to do it. You are correct to do it. You should desire to do it and you should have joy when you do it. That is the church's giving through the need. That is one side of this coin in verses 10 through 14. The other side is perseverance through the need. Paul is going to tell us in verses 11 through 13 why. That it didn't matter if they gave or not to him physically. It mattered to him personally. It mattered to him spiritually. It certainly mattered to them spiritually. But physically to him, it didn't matter. Because he says, in all circumstances, he had contentment. I don't say this out of need, he says. I'm not happy that you gave out of need. He wasn't simply thankful for the money. He certainly was. It's nice to have. We all know that. But he was not thankful because this was not a utilitarian friendship for him. He didn't want the Philippian church to think, I love you because you gave to me. No, he's, I love you and because I love you, I want you to give because of the spiritual result between you and God. The physical result from me, it's nice, but meh, I can do without it. I don't care about that part. I care about the part that's in you. That's why we as a church should not. That's why I don't want more people in the church just so we can have tithing members. I don't care I don't care to get tithing members I care to get growing disciples and if we have growing disciples people will give people will tithe God will take care if we are doing God's will God will take care of us financially so to hear that we need more tithing members no we need better discipled Christians and God will take care of all the other parts. The money for Paul was just a secondary result of a primary motivation. The Philippians gave money, but that was a secondary result of their primary motivation, which was being involved in the discipleship, or in this case, the evangelism, but they're the same coin. Of people who had never heard about Jesus. When we give. When we give to the church. When we give our tithes. what 10%, 11 whatever you call your tithe. When we write that check and we put it in the offering plate. What we are saying is. It's not about that. It's about this. I get to be a part of four more kids coming to Awana. I get to be a part of a child being baptized on October 10th. I get to be a part of planting a new church in Jennings, Louisiana. I get to be a part of a youth group going to a mission trip in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina and coming back changed in ways they never expected they would have been by that particular trip. I get to take part in any number of things that go on in a church that, honestly, most of you won't ever see. Because you wrote a check or you put cash in an envelope or whatever and you said there it is step back God do something great with it that was the primary motivation and when Paul says in all circumstances I have learned to be content or I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself that word content is a very interesting word particularly for the Philippians the word was a, a, a word that was primarily used by the philosophical thought process of the Stoics. You, you all know, we've used this word before in English, you know people who are Stoic, right? No emotion really, They're not, they don't swing back and forth. Well, the Stoics thought that was the ideal. To be content meant to be completely independent of circumstances to, to something's going great I don't care I, I'm independent of how great that is because I'm fine right here something's going horrible I don't care it, it's not affecting me because right here I am independent of all that I, I'm I'm separate from everything that was that was the ideal for the stoic and, and Paul uses this word, and, and the, the, the folks in the church, when they heard this letter, would have gone, did he just use, he used the Stoics word. It would be similar today if we, talking about something in church, and I said, that's just karma coming back to get you. Y'all all, wait a minute, karma? Well, we, don't, we don't do karma in church. That's, that's not a Christian thing that's that's a buddhist thing. we we we're not or a hindu thing. we we're, we're not karma people. but then if just a few sentences later i tell you that your sins will be found out and what you reap you will sow i'll I'll redefine the word karma to mean god is, knows what's happening and and, and he's going to bring all that back. so we we twist that word a little bit. that's exactly what paul does. Paul says, I am content. I'm independent of whether I have what I think I need or whether I don't have what I think I need. And in the next verse, he's going to, certainly in verse 13, he's going to flip this word contentment on its head. For the Stoics, it meant, I have controlled myself. I, from the inside out, have learned not to care. Paul says that's not it. He says in verse 12, I I, I know both how to make do with little and how to make do with a lot. I I, I know that I'm I'm content whether well-fed or hungry. I I, I know I'm content in abundance or in need because I've got a secret to contentment. Paul does something else to him. He uses another word. First, he uses this word content from Stoicism, the, 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 the philosophy of the Stoics, and then he says, I've got a secret. What he's really saying is, I've got magic. That's the word secret. It's the idea of this, this mystical arts. I, I've got these magic, i got this spell I can do, i got this thing I can do, Focus, pocus, or whatever, I can make, and suddenly I'm content. A la peanut butter sandwiches, and he's content thank you for laughing at the Sesame Street reference. And so now, the people listening are going, stoicism, magic, is this Paul that wrote this letter? This ain't Paul. This is not our Paul, because he wouldn't do this. No, he's doing it. He's saying, I've got a secret, y'all. i got the magic. And, and, And the word, make, do, I've learned how to make, do, in abundance we have this idea of wealth that is a uh, uh, part of it but but when he says in need he's actually talking about humiliation humbling he's not just talking about being poor you, you can be proud and poor but but when he talked about having the mind of Christ back in chapter 2 He explained that to have the mind of Christ is to humble yourself like Christ. To be humiliated like Christ. He says, I am willing to be humiliated or I am willing to be celebrated. I am willing to be poor. I am willing to be rich. I am willing to have more than enough. I am willing to have never enough. I have learned the secret of it. Y'all, don't gloss over the fact. Do not miss the fact that Paul says that having plenty requires a secret as well. We think the secret is necessary. We think contentment is necessary only when we lack things. Only when the church is having financial issues the truth is the secret is the same for when we lack and when we have abundance if you don't believe me look at how people act when you have an abundance and how we've got to hold on to that abundance he says the secret in verse 13 is the power is uh, is Jesus Jesus is the power of contentment Paul is content only because of Jesus Only because of him. Only because of Christ who strengthens him. So, we go back to that word content, that word independent. Paul says, My independence, my contentment is actually dependence. I use this word of independence like it's just me. Y'all, it ain't me, it's Jesus. I'm certain Paul, given if he let himself rule, would always be worried about the fact that he didn't have enough or when he had more than enough, well, but tomorrow I might not, so what am I going to do? But he wasn't that in, in Christ. He was independent of those things because he was dependent on Jesus. He was dependent on what. God could do not what he could do he was dependent on what God could do not what money could do what not what uh, prosperity could do not what abundance could do but he also didn't care about what lack could do let's just go back a little bit to live is Christ If I have a lot if I have a little I don't care I'm alive it's Christ But if my lack results in my death, I win. To live is Christ. To die is gain. Contentment in life only comes from Jesus. You will not be content in your giving simply to get a tax break. That will never bring contentment. Your contentment in your giving will be in giving to the work of the gospel. And Paul says in 13, again, we don't want to miss this, I am able to do all things through Christ. I am able to live through abundance and through lack because of Christ. I'm content when I have little, so I don't steal, I don't covet, I don't cut corners, I don't cheat. I don't do all the things that we would be tempted to do when I have very little. But I also am content when I have a lot. So I don't hoard, I don't brag, I don't abuse. I don't do any of those things that would be a temptation Because, oh, I've got enough, I've got plenty. Instead, I am content, Paul says. So what does that look like for the church? Contentment for the church. True contentment, Paul says. We as a church have to have money to function. Just the way it is. We got bills to pay, and, and, they, and they, they started charging for electricity last week. Um, water you have to pay for now. I don't know if y'all have heard. Um, all this stuff, it, it all costs money. So, we, so we've got to have it. But regardless of whether we have a little bit of money or much money, ministry continues by the strength of Jesus. Ministry is based on Jesus, not on money we got to have it, we need it, but we don't minister because of it. And for the church, it is the church member's joy. It is our joy, and it is our responsibility, right? Partnership. Partnership brings responsibility. If you are a partner in a law firm, you have responsibility to the firm. If you are a partner in a, a doctor's office, you've got responsibility to that doctor's office you are a partner in the church you are a partner with Paul you are a partner with other believers in the spread of the gospel therefore you have a responsibility and one of those responsibilities is to give to the ministry of the church in which you have partnered in most of your cases first baptist sulfur you've partnered in the gospel as a member here As a matter of fact, when you became a member, when you put your name on the roll and said, yeah, I want to vote at business meetings, you're partnering. It's one of the reasons we have, and our church, as long as the current constitution has been in effect, has required new members' classes. So we could talk about the fact that you're not coming just to be a country club member. You know, get some benefits. You know, you're coming to be a giving, working member of the church. But the thing is, Despite the fact that the church has to have money for, to function. You don't give for the church. You give out of obedience. That's why I say you're not giving to the church. You're giving to God. The church uses the money. But your gift is to the Lord. He doesn't say I, I, I want you to give over here. He, he said give to me. Not me, me. God me. That me. God says to him. That's who you give to. You give out of obedience and out of the same mindset, the same care as Paul and the Philippians. When he said, uh, you, uh, your concern about me, your mindset about me, you give out of con- care and concern for the church. If you have care and concern about the church's lack of finances yet you don't give or you give to uh, uh, special offerings or you designate your giving so that it doesn't go to pay the bills then no you don't care. You, you grumble and you direct and you make a show but you don't care. Because care and concern, Paul says, showed up in your giving. And your giving to the ministry. Your lack of giving actually shows your lack of care for the church. Unless you are providentially hindered. There are times when people just can't. Clearly, the church in Philippi, for a time, just could not give to Paul for whatever reason. But when they could... It's clear that their church still functioned and we're actually probably talking about extra offerings. We're not talking about their tithe to the church. We're talking about um, Georgia Barnett offering or that this was in a different country. So this would be International Mission Board. This is given to Lottie Moon. We couldn't give what we wanted to to Lottie Moon in the past, but now we are. You, church... You, church member. You, me, believer. We cannot be content. And by content, I mean trusting to God to do all things through us. If we are miserly and or distrusting with our money. The Philippians were the opposite of that. That's contentment for the church. But let's not again let's not forget commitment uh, i'm sorry contentment in context don't take this verse out of context this has nothing to do with your physical prowess on the field or in the gym it has nothing to do with your mental acumen in school or your workplace It doesn't mean you can defeat giants or kill lions or make it through a fiery furnace. It's not a a verse for your window, uh, your mirror in the morning to say, all right, today I can go to work and not punch my co-worker. Chelsea, you don't get to come to work and punch me just because that verse is on your mirror. This isn't your morning encouragement. It is deeper than that. This is the promise This is the promise that whatever the circumstances, whatever I have or don't have, this is possessions, this is things going well or things going poorly, whatever the circumstances, I am in Christ. And Christ is my strength to remain in Him and committed to the gospel. That's what I can do through Christ who strengthens me. I can stay in Christ and stay committed to the gospel I can't leap tall buildings in a single bound I can't be faster than a locomotive stronger than a locomotive faster than a speeding bullet thank you I can remain in Christ no matter the circumstance and this is a vitally important warning for churches because churches can focus on the wrong things in both times of want and times of plenty. And Paul says, Philippi, you're getting it right. You're focused on the gospel. He's going to write elsewhere. In Corinthians, he's going to write about the Macedonian church. That's the church in Philippi. And say, they had nothing and they gave anyway. You, Corinthians, have given out of your surplus, and that's wonderful. The church in Philippi Philippi gave out of their lack. They didn't have it and they gave anyway. Because they were focused on the right thing. Remember, both need and excess can be a spiritual pitfall for a church. If we have too much, that can be a pitfall. If we have too little, that can be a pitfall. If we ever focus on those things rather than the main thing. True commitment for a church is making disciples. I'm sorry, true contentment for a church is making disciples. Individual, person who's never trusted Jesus Christ, you'll never have contentment in life without Jesus. Through all the vagaries of life, contentment, true contentment, Is only found in Jesus. Your money won't leave you content. Good times are here again, won't leave you content. Les et le bon temps roulés won't leave you content without Jesus. And you can have true contentment in life when you accept Christ, when you trust Him as your Savior, when you realize your reality as a sinner that you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god that jesus is the gift that will save you that you can be a child of god you're outside of his will you're outside of a relationship with him because of your sin the wages of those is death but the gift of god is eternal life through jesus christ our lord he proved that god did by sending his son to die for you while you were a sinner Jesus knew who you were, He knew your sin, and He died for you anyway. Everyone who calls the name of the Lord will be saved. There's no one here, no one listening, that has done too much, has gone too far from God. There's no life so upheaved, I don't think that's a verb, there's no life in such upheaval God can't give you contentment through Jesus Christ. I've found contentment in everything, Paul says. Want, need, abundance, lack, whatever. I can do all of that. I can take all of that in Christ. If you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved and you will have true contentment. Let's pray. Father, thank you that throughout all of life, whether it is the, the ministerial life of a church, the, the discipling life of a church, or the individual life of a believer, or the, the wandering, questioning, wondering life of an unbeliever, that your answer is the same. Contentment is only found in Jesus. And so as a church that currently is struggling financially but in the past maybe hasn't, both times our answer is to do the work of the evangelist, to make disciples and baptize them. The ministry is the same. Our contentment is in our obedience. For the believer... Our contentment is not in controlling where every penny we give goes. Withholding those pennies if we don't like where they're going, but contentment is giving the money to you and trusting that you are big enough to take care of it. For the unbeliever, contentment is found in laying down our lives, laying down our sins, saying, Lord Jesus, I want you to save me. God, your answer is the same to all three. True contentment is only found in Jesus. And this this morning, I pray in our time of response that we as a church will be content, that we as church members who have concerns will not grumble but will give and be content and that the lost, if there's someone listening who has never trusted Jesus as Savior, will quit trying to find contentment in the world or in their abilities like the Stoics did, so I'm just not going to care about anything or, or whatever the other worldly idea they choose is. They would instead find their contentment in salvation through Jesus Christ. That today will be their day of salvation, we pray In Jesus' name, amen. So in this time of response, I'm not sure what you need to do. Maybe it's to pray for our church. Maybe it is to pray for yourself. And your need to find contentment in your giving. Maybe you need to accept Christ this morning. Tom is back at our welcome center. Lee, one of our deacons, is along the back wall. I believe Kirk will be back there as well. If you'd like to pray with someone... Ask them how you can be saved. They'll tell you about it, tell you all about it. And you can know true contentment today. Let's stand and let's sing and let's worship God as He does business in our hearts.